Good morning. This morning, I have the blessing and the privilege to talk about the breaking of bread, which refers to the Lord's Supper. As indicated in Acts 2.42, the early church regularly broke bread together. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread together. They ate that meal that Jesus introduced to the disciples the night that he was arrested. And they ate it in remembrance of him, just like Jesus told them. So I thought it would be best to go back to one of the accounts of that first supper in the gospel, in one of the gospels, to get an idea of what that first meal was like. So our scripture text is from Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 30. So hear God's word to us this morning. When the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, saying, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. The disciples began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table, in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Please join me in prayer. Holy Lord, your love and grace is beyond what we can 
think or imagine. Bless the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth so that you may be glorified and that we may be encouraged. By the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I was uh, pretty excited when the preaching rotation worked itself out and I was going to be able to talk about the breaking of bread. But as I started to study the text and work on the sermon, that excitement kind of turned to concern. As I delved into the breadth and the depth of the beauty of this breaking of bread, this meal that Jesus gave us. The wisdom and and genius of Jesus is on full display. And there are just so many different ways to engage with this text, as is evident from 2,000 years of scholarly musings. But I settled on this way. I would like to look at the passage from three different perspectives. Quite simply, from a perspective in the past, a past perspective, a present perspective, and then a future perspective. So past. Jesus introduced this meal, this breaking of bread that the early church devoted themselves to, he introduced this meal in the middle of the Passover Seder. Now, Seder just means order. So this is a history. This is a meal that has been going on for a long time. The disciples and Jesus had been practicing this meal, had been engaging with this meal since they were born. In fact, the Jews had been practicing this meal for 1,500 years by the time Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room. The rhythms of this annual meal were well-established and deeply symbolic. They engaged with God's story of deliverance for his people, how God brought his people out of slavery So I was intrigued by this meal. I was intrigued by what did it look like? Because it gives us a glimpse into what Jesus and his disciples actually did that night. So that's kind of where I started in the past. Where did this meal come out of? So there are 15 movements in the Passover liturgy or Seder. And the meal could take hours. And about midway through those movements, there is a a celebrative, a, a feast meal, if you will, that the family and the participants engage in. Now, I won't go over all the movements or the symbols, but I think there are two that are helpful for us this morning that I'd like to highlight. First, it's the cups of wine. There are four cups of wine that they would bring out in the Passover that are poured and blessed and drunk and used in the engagement of the um, deliverance story. And there were two before the meal and two after the meal. The two before the meal were called the cup of sanctification and the cup of praise. 
And then the two after the meal was the cup of redemption and the cup of acceptance. And as you can tell by the names, these movements in the meal all revolve around God's deliverance. Now, the second part of the Seder that I want to highlight is the breaking of bread and the eating of bitter herbs. So before the actual feast meal, the host or the head of the family who's presiding over the meal will break the bread. And they call it the bread of affliction. And through the breaking of this bread and the eating of it with herbs, they are recalling the hardships of slavery, the real bitterness of what it was like being slaves in Egypt. And after they break it, they then engage with the Exodus story, not in a linear fashion, but kind of pulling in different pieces here and there and having the children ask questions and having wine being spilled. It's a very engaging um, experience. And they talk about the plagues and how they were saved from judgment by the blood of the Lamb and how they escaped through the sea. So from the breaking of bread and the eating of it, eating the bitter herbs, they move into and celebrate God's deliverance. So I was surprised to learn that the Passover was a reverently joyous affair, partly because of my experience with communion in the Protestant tradition. It's a joy for the Jews to remember that they are God's people, And they engage with his story of deliverance. And as they celebrate Passover, they recognize that they're part of something bigger than themselves. They're part of God's people. And this is the meal and the story that Jesus and his disciples were remembering and celebrating that night in the upper room. They were celebrating and remembering God's deliverance of his people. Let's fly. And that's the past lens of this passage. And now I'd like to move into the present lens. There's clearly more going on in this account. This was a meal that Jesus eagerly desired to eat with his friends. That's what he said. So let's put it in context and recall kind of the chaotic tumult that's been happening in just a couple days prior to this. So just a few days before this meal, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt, and crowds of people came out cheering him on. And then he goes into the temple, and he clears it, declaring that his father's house is a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. And then he continues to be in the synagogue teaching the people and engaging with the religious leaders and meeting their challenges. The atmosphere was pretty charged. They knew something was going to happen. 
the tension surrounding Jesus' ministry and his rise to prominence, it was coming to a head. That was pretty clear. So the disciples were anticipating something. They were anticipating Jesus taking his rightful place and solidifying his claim as Christ and Messiah. And in this meal that Jesus eagerly desired to meet with his, eat with his friends, he does take his rightful place. Just not in the way that they were expecting or hoping. With two simple sentences in the middle of the Seder, Jesus rocks the familiar of the last 1,500 years. At the breaking of bread of affliction, Jesus presiding over the meal as the host, as the head of this family, he says, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the feast meal, he takes the cup of redemption and says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood poured out for you. So with those two sentences, Jesus upends the Passover meal. He turns it on its head and it, he makes it more than it was. He kind of supercharges it. And he re- reveals that it was always about him. Jesus takes his rightful place. This meal was always pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the true Passover lamb. With those two simple sentences, he distills the deliverance story into his story. And then he explodes the implications of it. No longer is it an annual remembrance of God's deliverance from slavery, as significant and beautiful as that remembrance is. Jesus makes this meal a present-day, life-sustaining reality. By saying the bread is his body and the cup is his blood, Jesus is saying his life sustains our life. He takes on our affliction and sin, and his body is broken for it. His blood is poured out for us, and he invites us to a new covenant. This is communion with Christ. It's a day-in and day-out realization that we need his grace in our lives. Dallas Willard says, a philosopher, he says, the true saint burns grace like a 747 burns fuel on takeoff. We need to refuel all the time on that grace. Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life, the bread that comes down from heaven. 
which many may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And that's the present lens, beautiful present lens with which we can view this supper, this meal. But there's more. There's a future lens to this breaking of bread. And I think it's seen in Jesus' gentle teaching of his disciples after their dispute. So the disciples' confusion about who is going to betray Jesus leads to an argument about who's the greatest. Now, at first glance, you could look at that and say, okay, how in the world could that happen? But then, on second glance, you can look at that and say, of course it was inevitable. That is just the normal cycle of human interaction. We feel bad, we get defensive, we say, it can't be me, it can't be me, it must be you. All of a sudden, we get into a position of comparison. I'm better, no, I'm better, I'm better. That just happens. But Jesus breaks through that reality and says that we don't have to be like that. He agrees that in the world, everyone is fighting for a place of prominence. They're trying to find a place at the table. They want to look better than the other. They're trying to be the one who is being served. But Jesus says, you are not to be like that. Why? Because Jesus is among us as one who serves. This Jesus life that he offers, symbolized in the bread and the cup, it makes us into something more. What we were always meant to be in the kingdom of God. It makes us like Jesus who says, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus gives that same role to his disciples. He invites them to eat and drink at his table again and again so that they may be sustained and strengthened as they take up responsibilities and serve God's people. So what are the applications for us today? What do we think about when we come and break bread together? Well, I hope that we bring in this idea of this past, present, and future as it applies to each of our individual lives. So the past reflections, the past focuses on deliverance. And may we revel in the deliverance that is offered to us in this meal and through Christ. Let us remember the deep roots of our identity in him. We need to do this. We need to remember and confess our sins. That's why we do this every week. But we also step into assurance. It's so important to do this. But I would say sometimes our Protestant experience, at least my experience of communion growing up, is often so confessional and so individual and so focused on our personal sin and the cost 
of deliverance, that we don't move into the joy of life in Christ and with each other. So we can't stop and just think about deliverance, as important as that is. We need to move into the present reality of the daily sustaining life with Christ. So each time we break bread, we are remembering not just the death of Jesus, but the life of Jesus. We receive the life-giving, life-sustaining nature of Jesus' life in us today. So as we physically take the bread and as we drink the cup, we are enacting that reality. We are submitting to that reality. We are trying to call forth and say, yes, that is true in us. Jesus' life is in us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So just like we eat food and drink water every day, we receive this spiritual meal regularly to remind us that we need to take in the life of Jesus again and again. We need his life to sustain us. But it doesn't end there because we have a future hope. And now this future hope is not about surviving until everything is made new. It's not a sometime out there, although we do have that hope and that is real. But we have a more immediate hope that we can thrive in God's kingdom today and tomorrow growing into what he has called us to be more and more. We come to Jesus' table together to be sustained by him so that we may learn to live our lives as if he was living them. We are not to be like the world around us. He has given us a new life and a kingdom of service so that we may take up responsibilities among his people. His, Jesus' life of service becomes our life of service. So, as we continue our worship and as we go downstairs and practice breaking of bread together, devoting ourselves to this practice, We're trying to move into the joy that is ours that we have in the life of Christ. Trying to make it a regular part of what we do because the life of Christ is a regular part of what we need. So I hope that as we go down and do something a little different and maybe a little awkward and we might have to figure it out as we go, that we'll be able to engage 
in the joy of our life with Christ and really be able to just appreciate the beauty that he's given us in this fellowship. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, it is amazing to see how you can take something so ordinary and regular, bread and wine, and give it such depth and meaning. You are the bread of life. Your blood is poured out for us. And we remember you with joy. Bless the breaking of bread as we remember our deliverance to be your people. Bless us as we remember that our daily sustenance comes from you every moment. And bless us as we serve in your kingdom to your glory by the power of the Holy Spirit and in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond to God's word.